What do you believe about heaven? What do your children believe about it? And could what you believe and teach your kids about heaven have any bearing at all on the quality of your child-rearing experience here on earth? Well, if, as the late John Lennon suggested, we were to imagine no heaven above us, no hell below us, and no religion too, what effect would the opposite, actually believing these things, have on our parenting experience? Well, whatever you might think about religion itself, if what scripture and other sacred writings claim about the afterlife is true, then avoiding hell and getting to heaven ought to be of preeminent importance in the course of raising our kids, don't you think? Well, doing our best to make your parenting experience a heavenly one, that's what we're doing next on License to Parent. Well, hello and welcome to License to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long therapeutic Christ-centered residential program working with teens in crisis and, by extension, their families. Our host on License to Parent is the founder and executive director of Shepherds Hill, Trace Embry, and I'm Rich Rosel. And, uh, Trace, I'm a little hesitant to bring John Lennon into the <laughs> equation, and I'm not so sure that Lennon can be blamed entirely for today's apathetic view of Christianity or the afterlife. But there does seem to be, well, less concern about heaven and hell than in previous generations, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I'm not so sure Lennon's song, Imagine, can be completely exonerated either. No, no. Uh, that, that song affected a lot of people. But uh, with, with that said, I think postmodern and relativistic thought have been f uh, far greater culprits. In fact, it's very likely at the root of this uh, philosophy or worldview uh, was what paved the way for a, for a song like that uh, in the first place. I mean, fast forward 40 years to today's now postmodern relativistic saturated society, and many people today have found it very easy to take hell right off the table simply because it's unpleasant. Right. I, I wouldn't want to uh, believe in a God or a religion that right. would teach such a thing. And sure. With that worldview, of course, you know, What's true is what's true for you. Uh, but by the same token, heaven is easy to accept and believe in because it is pleasant. But uh, that's exactly one of the dangers of buying into the, the postmodern relativistic patterns of this world today. Right. And we've come to accept uh, as truth only what's easy to accept or what's politically correct. Uh, you know, only what's true for us. Uh, that's classic postmodern thought. So, you know, when we as parents knowingly or unwittingly uh, first filter our biblical worldview, through the world's postmodern relativistic premise, then the rest of that toxic philosophy can sneak in and taint our entire theology and worldview. And therefore, you know, how we interpret Scripture and then a roundabout way, how we raise our kids and, and their view of heaven and hell. Because the ob objective truth in, in Scripture can then become more subjective, relative, or whatever we want it to become. People, uh, and I'm talking to the average citizen here, uh, parents, and even Christian theologians uh, indoctrinated with a postmodern premise have a lot of trouble accepting the idea of a God or a Bible that might uh, hold to a truth that uh, it's absolutely objectively true and applicable for everyone. Uh, it's considered narrow, exclusive, intolerant, or even bigoted. And because a postmodern worldview also operates largely off of feelings and emotions rather than logic and reason, any objective truth, even if it's found in Scripture, uh, can too often be just too hard to accept. Hurting someone's feelings is often considered a greater faux pas than false teaching or even deliberate deception. Right. Uh, 
you know, if the objective truth hurts someone's feelings or contradicts their presuppositions about whatever, then, then the truth can't be valid. I mean, do you see the nonsense in this? Uh, but this is how a lot of people are living their lives today. This is how a lot of Christians and a lot of Christian parents today are now processing thought and without ever stopping to realize the incongruence or the illogic of it. Scripture then can easily be cherry-picked and or twisted to suit one's presuppositions about any particular topic in Scripture. Uh, For instance, if you think homosexuality is a sin because Scripture says it's a sin, the postmodern thinker who happens to be attracted to the same sex will find a way to justify his behavior, twisting Scripture to accommodate his homosexual desires. And he'll use your Bible and mine to do it. Some Christian parents don't spank their kids. Not that all kids necessarily require one, but... It's not even in their, in their uh, bag of tricks because they've bought into the premise or presupposition that has been drilled into their head by our culture that spanking is an act of violence rather than an act of love. But with that line of thinking, doctors and dentists could be considered perpetrators of violence themselves. I, I could lead that list, actually, <laughs> but that, that's a different program. Yeah, my doctor, Payne, uh, <laughs> he, he, he's, he's right in that category. Uh, gynecologists could be considered molesters uh, by the Me Too movement. Uh, too many people have now lost their critical uh, thinking skills, and um, you know, so they don't factor in motive or technique into the equation. Sure. The Catholic novelist and essayist Flannery O'Connor once said, the truth doesn't change according to our ability to stomach it emotionally. I, I couldn't have said that any better. But because of our own unwitting postmodern presuppositions that have tainted our biblical worldview, even as Christians, we've now become a very pampered people ourselves. And you know, one of the results is that we're too often raising our kids without any real substantive discussion, any real understanding about the afterlife. Why? Because this life has become heaven enough and far too, uh, you know, for far too many of us. Why? Because this life has become heaven enough for far too many of us. And don't you dare mess up my heaven on earth by even bringing up the subject of hell, right? Right. I mean, there's that old saying, everyone, everyone wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die to get there. Why? Because dying means I got to lose, you know, uh, the treasures that I'm clinging on to here on earth. There was a popular movie out recently that was based on another popular song about uh, imagination called I Can Only Imagine. Some might call it the perfect response to Lennon's song, Imagine. But what if we really could only imagine what heaven was really like and then get our kids to imagine what it's really like? What if our attitude about the afterlife was was more about getting to heaven than staying out of hell, more love-based than fear-based? You know, maybe a discussion about hell wouldn't be needed at all. I don't know, but uh, today's guest uh, is supposed to know, so we'll talk to him. <laughs> well, we we have invited today's guest back on the program because he's been a great insight uh, of wisdom and uh, and parenting wisdom especially. And, of course, that's the subject of this program. But uh, also he, he tends to have uh, a, a non-politically uh, correct approach to all of oh, this. I it's like, look, guy. let's speak truth for truth's sake and, and be yeah. done with the nonsense. And yeah. we love him for that. Uh, John Roseman is a man who's been a friend of this ministry for many years. He's worked with families, children, and parents since the 1970s in the field of family psychology. In uh, 1971, he earned his master's in psychology from Western Illinois University and was elected to the Phi Kappa Phi National Honor Society. In fact, in 1999, his alma mater conferred upon John the Distinguished Alumni Award, which is given only once per year, and upon acceptance, he gave the commencement address. 
Um, throughout the 70s, he worked as a psychologist in Illinois and North Carolina and directed several mental health programs for kids. Uh, then uh, from 1980 to 90, he served uh, in full-time practice as a family psychologist with Piedmont Psychological Associates in Gastonia, North Carolina. He does remain licensed as a family psychologist in North Carolina. Uh, presently, though, his time is devoted to speaking and to writing. Uh, John's work in uh, in newspapers, he's a syndicated newspaper columnist, uh, He's in approximately 225 newspapers nationwide now. He's also written 11 best-selling parenting books. He's uh, got to be one of America's busiest and I'm sure most popular speakers and certainly the busiest and most popular in the field. And uh, he's known basically for what we love him for. Sound advice, humor, a very easy, relaxed, and engaging style. And uh, for all of that, <clears throat> we, uh, we join John in remembering that none of those is the reason he's on this program. He uh, reminds uh, folks that uh, his real qualifications are that he's been married to the same woman for 40 years. He's the father of two successful adults and the grandfather of seven grandchildren. But to point that out even more, he makes sure you know that they are seven well-behaved grandchildren. Absolutely. <laughs> John, we love having you on the program. Thanks so much for joining us on License to Parent. Welcome. Well, thanks for inviting me, Trace and Rich. And, and you just reminded me that I need to update my biography. Uh, it's about 10 years old, obviously. My wife, Willie, and I have been married for 50 years Wow! Uh, this coming July. So, yeah, I, I need to do some uh, work on the bio after I get off the program here. But thanks wow. for having me on. Appreciate it. <laughs> Uh, John, you got a, a new book, uh, Getting to Heaven. Uh, how in the world did you get involved in writing a book about heaven? Well, the history of this is that I um, I was an atheist up until about 1992, began reading books arguing against Darwin's theory, um, and uh, by his grace, I came to the conclusion through this reading that the only logical, sensible, uh, rational explanation for the existence of the universe and everything in it was a creator God, a supreme being as described in uh, the Bible and specifically Genesis chapter one. And, uh, but uh, still, so I, I became a theist in about 1992, but still could not wrap my head around what I now call that Jesus thing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, just to uh, make a long story short, after a lot of wandering um, and a lot of reading, I came across um, Lee Strobel's book, The Case for Christ, mm -hmm. read it. And of course, that book was written precisely for people like myself and uh, came to believe in uh, the Jesus Christ of the Gospels as a consequence of that in about the year 2000. And... Um, felt called uh, subsequent to that to write a book explaining what a biblical point of view or, as I call it, a biblical parent view is all about. Mm -hmm. And that book is called Parenting by the Book. And I began uh, toying with the idea of uh, writing a book that was theological in scope rather than a, a book on parenting. You know, I've written 
uh, Rich, who said 11. Again, I need to update the biography. It's depending on how you count them, it's between 15 and 20 books. And so I approached my pastor, Scott Gleason, and asked him if he was interested in partnering with me on this because I needed a, a very schooled uh, theological point of view. Mm-hmm. And um, he eagerly accepted. We researched and wrote the book for two years, and it came out about a month ago. And it's been selling briskly, I must say, through my website, johnroseman.com. There you go. There you go. Well, let me ask you this, uh, since this is a parenting program, is the concept or reality of heaven all that essential to raising emotionally healthy and well-adjusted kids? It's essential that we raise children who have, who possess a proper biblical worldview, and that's, uh, you know, the essence of God's first instruction to parents contained in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. So yes, part of a proper biblical worldview is the involves the reality of the existence of both heaven and hell. And, you know, Trace, I was um, very interested and uh, to the point of excited by your introductory remarks, because um, what I discovered during the process of researching this book and, and going to various people and asking for their thoughts on the subject of heaven and their thoughts on the subject of hell was that there are Christians, uh, evangelical, self-proclaimed, uh, uh, professing Christians who mm-hmm. believe in the Gospels, and yet even though Jesus referred to hell on a number of occasions, will not accept it. Uh, yeah. as, oh, yeah. as one guy said, well, I just can't believe in a God who would, um, just because people don't believe in his son, uh, commit them to the horrors of uh, what we are told that hell is all about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you were saying that uh, in, in the postmodern era that people's thinking is driven primarily by emotion, and that is an example of that, how an individual rejects what is clearly biblical truth simply because he doesn't like it. He does not have good mental health. Proper mental health is not a matter of the absence of depression or the absence of anxiety or the absence of phobias or the absence of any other psychiatric diagnostic indicators. That proper mental health rests on two foundations. First, a proper view of oneself, and second, a proper worldview. And a proper self-view is derived from the Bible, as is a proper worldview. There are a lot of people who, if you ask them, they are sitting on top of the world, but they do not, if you probe their concept of who they are, They don't possess a proper self-view. They Mm -hmm. possess, no matter what they claim to be, um, and I'm thinking of a guy that I know who claims to be a Bible-believing evangelical Christian who uh, brags about himself and his accomplishments constantly. 
And he doesn't realize that he's doing it. It's become just a habit. Mm-hmm. Um, so good mental health, <laughs> yes. In order to help children develop good mental health, uh, parents need to help children develop a healthy view of who they are. And the, the only source for that is the Bible. Mm-hmm. If kids had a more accurate description of heaven, do you think that you know um, it'd have any beneficial effect on, on their attitude and or behavior here on earth? Well, I believe it would. It's had a tremendous uh, effect on my behavior, my worldview. And uh, yes, uh, it would it would certainly have a tremendous effect on the uh, the worldview of a child. One of the things that I say, guys, in front of my audiences all the time is that God's instructions to parents contained in Scripture are clearly all about character. Uh, I tell parents, uh, I hate to disappoint you, but God does not care, really, that your children make straight A's. He does not care that your children get scholarships to top-flight universities. He does not care that your child is invited uh, to participate in the uh, 2022 whenever uh, Olympic gymnastics team. He's looking for people who have a heart for Christ. And, And this is what this book is all about. It's not a parenting book. But getting to heaven is, is as applicable to the teaching of children as it is to the understanding of adults as to what the big picture of a biblical worldview is all about. We're talking with John Roseman about heaven. In fact, he's got a new book called Getting to Heaven, and we're going to continue that conversation in just a moment. You're listening to Licensed to Parent. You'll find us and past conversations on a variety of topics about parenting on our website at licensedtoparent.org. Back with more in just a moment. Everywhere we go, we're surrounded by screens. Have we entered into a techno-utopia or a virtual prison? Prison. Prison. Is our social experience richer and deeper or more shallow and artificial? Discover insightful answers to these questions in the documentary DVD, Captivated, Finding Freedom in a Media Captive Culture. You'll learn from media experts, church leaders, and inspiring individuals and families from across the country, including Trace Embry and students from Shepherds Hill Academy. Most importantly, you'll discover how God's Word addresses the unique media challenges we face today. Captivated, finding freedom in a media captive culture. Available in the store at licensedtoparent.org. Proceeds benefit the Shepherds Hill Academy Scholarship Fund. Teen rebellion, depression, addiction, rage, cutting, and suicide are destroying our families today. But there is a way out. Shepherds Hill Academy offers a 12-month Christ-centered nonprofit residential program where kids are being transformed with a biblical worldview and often medication-free. Christian apologist Ravi Zacharias is just one of many Christian leaders who understands what's happening at Shepherd's Hill Academy. It really is such an honor to come alongside Shepherd's Hill Ministries and licensed parents to rescue those who have been seduced along the way. Uh, I cannot gainsay how important this is, and to get behind a ministry like this, one will find the rewards 
to be extremely powerful in changing society. Get the help you need at Shepherd's Hill Academy. Go to helpmytroubledteen.org, helpmytroubledteen.org. Welcome back. You're listening to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy, and you'll find us online at licensedtoparent.org. Our guest today is John Roseman, and uh, we're talking about his book on heaven. It's called Getting to Heaven and really exploring the importance of our kids knowing that heaven is real, hell is real, and uh, what we do about it and what we teach about it has a great impact on our kids. John, we had as a guest on the program uh, some months back a lady by the name of Mary C. Neal who had, uh, I guess you'd call it a, a near-death or a death experience, and she uh, firmly believes that that she saw heaven personally and came back and her life has been changed as a result. And actually, her approach to parenting and to evangelism is similar to what your your books is, and that is it's really important for people to grasp the reality of heaven, and it affects everything we do here. What what are your thoughts on people who claim afterlife or or out-of-body near-death experiences? Well, my co-author, Pastor Scott Gleason, and I deal with that in the book, and uh, the real issue here is simply— what are the fruits of this experience? Does yeah. the does the person use this experience to promote him or herself, or does the person use this experience? Uh, are the the fruits of this experience uh, are they biblical fruits uh, that that are used to promote a valid biblical worldview, a valid understanding of uh, where we're going in history? and a valid understanding of the truth of the Gospels. And one of the things that Scott and I discussed was the fact that it would seem a whole lot more motivating for God to give people glimpses of hell than glimpses of heaven. And, and people have had those too. <laughs> pardon me? Well, people there's only, had those too. There's only one book that's, to our knowledge, that's ever been written about uh, by someone who claims to have been taken to hell— as a near-death experience, and uh, you know, it, it's um, uh, the, the fact that that no one really gives a credible claim mm-hmm. of being taken to hell does cast some degree of skepticism on these claims of being taken to heaven. Yeah. Well, John, we got to have you back for another program about the hell part of the heaven equation because uh, it's hard to talk about heaven without hell. But uh, uh, a lot of kids are stumped by this idea of the new earth, the new Jerusalem, uh, new heaven. Uh, what's the difference in these three things? And what should we be teaching our kids about this? And will we get another chance to go to heaven after we're dead? Well, Gosh, you've asked a lot of questions there. As the, um, <laughs> it does appear from a reading of uh, Scripture that there are two afterlifes, that there is one afterlife, one heaven, if you will, um, that one enters a Christian, a believer, that one enters immediately upon uh, death, physical death, mm-hmm. but then... Uh, 
uh, there is the new Jerusalem, the new Eden, the restoration, etc., whatever you want to call it, that will take place at the resurrection, that we will be resurrected, and that for all intents and purposes, the Garden of Eden, heaven on earth, will be restored. Uh, you know, again, coming back to the relevance of all of this to parenting, guys, if parents understand that what God is saying is their primary responsibility to wit that of imparting to their children a proper biblical worldview, a proper biblical understanding of history, then imparting to their children the idea that history, again, is not just something that occurred in the past, but the uh, primary emphasis in Christian history would be a future emphasis that uh, from a biblical point of view, history is moving toward this uh, predetermined conclusion and that it's very important for children to understand this. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you use the word proper biblical worldview. Uh, the conundrum is that there are Christians uh, who claim to love uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, their lives seem to reflect that, who, who do have different uh, takes on what a true biblical worldview about heaven and hell is. But what I want to ask you is this, is how soon uh, do we actually talk to our kids about this horrifying place we call uh, hell? I mean, uh, the way that tr- traditional Christianity, uh, at least over the last 1,500 years, has understood hell is that it's, an, it's eternal you know, damnation, fire, brimstone, things like that. Um, that's a pretty heavy concept for a little kid. And of course, now... Uh, the general public in, in America, anyway, just kind of gaffs that off as being kind of uh, uh, cartoonish. Uh, how do we approach this subject with our kids? At, at what age? Well, I don't think that it's wise to begin talking about hell with a child who is uh, ruled to a significant degree by imagination. Um, I think that discussions of hell with children preschool age could result in nightmares, night fears, phobias of various kinds. Um, and, and I think it's unnecessary at that age. But I do believe that, you know, somewhere around 8, 9, 10, uh, and, and, and th- this would vary child to child, that this instruction needs to come into play. Yeah. Well, when we have you back, we'll talk about the people who were biblically literate, and those were the people uh, in the first 500 years of church history, our church fathers, who who most of those had a different view of hell than, than you or I might have today. Uh, I'd really like to get into that, but we're out of time. Our guest today on uh, Licensed to Parent has been John Roseman. And the book we've been talking about is John's latest book, Getting to Heaven. It's available on his website at rosemond.com. That's rosemond, spelled R-O-S-E-M-O-N-D.com. John, thanks so much. We always love talking to you. Amen. It's always a blessing. Thanks, guys. God bless you, John. And you'll find us online as well at licensedtoparent.org. There you can hear past conversations on a variety of topics related to raising healthy kids in a postmodern, post-Christian culture. Let me also mention the name of the lady we, we spoke of earlier, Mary C. Neal. She's the one who had the afterlife experience. If you'd like to compare notes and, and make your own decisions there, we I would encourage you to look that up again on our website, licensedparent.org. 
You can also check out our parenting blog, learn more about our parent ministry, Shepherd's Hill Academy, which is a year-long residential program for teens in crisis, and it's located just north of Atlanta, Georgia. By the way, while you're on the site, would you consider becoming one of our ministry partners? Your financial support in any amount helps further the work that we do here with troubled teens and also helps the outreach of licensed to parent to moms and dads working hard to keep their kids from becoming troubled teens. Your donations are tax-free when you click on the donate button at the top of the page at licensedtoparent.org. Our guest coordinator on the program is Daniel Fasina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rosl, inviting you to join us again next time and renew your license to parent. Remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.